the church is not about a building, right? Church is not about a building. The church is not about land and property. It's about Jesus. It's about fellowship. It's about culture. It's not about the institution. So buildings, land, they don't really matter. But it just so happens that we have a great building and a lot of land. Isn't that a good thing? So praise God for that. You're thinking, are you going to trick me here? No, this is a good thing. This is a good thing. God has moved in the hearts of others who preceded us so that now today we sit in a wonderful building. And in case you didn't know, our church has 17 acres right here at one of the best locations of Middle Tennessee. What a blessing. We don't take pride in that, but we use that to see the opportunity before us. This is the last sermon I'm going to share that, that echoes a sermon I gave on Palm Sunday. On Palm Sunday, I shared eight reasons I'm praying for God to grow our church because God can only grow the church. And then we partner with God for those prayers to come true. And so this is the seventh sermon because I only needed seven to tell you eight things. But one of the eight statements I said is that we have land to steward. We do. We have a property to steward to make sure that 100 years from now that on this property and in this building and future buildings, the gospel of Jesus Christ is still being proclaimed from this location. This is the responsibility God has given us. Now, you may be thinking already, okay, I needed something for my life today. Hey, you're going to get something for your life today. Okay, so th this is, the Lord has a word for you personally, and it is embedded in the word for us corporately. I also want to put you at ease and let you know that we're not going to try to raise any money. I'm not, I don't, I'm not announcing a new building or anything like this today, uh, but I, I'm, I'm creating a reminder of the call God's given us to steward what he has put in our hands. So the title of my message today is this, Land Matters to God. Land Matters to God. And you're going to see that in the scriptures we look at. So let's start with Psalm 24. Psalm 24, I'm going to read it and I'll present this as the word of the Lord. And if you choose, you can join me in thank, saying thanks be to God. The earth and everything in it, the world and its inhabitants belong to the Lord. For he laid its foundation on the seas and established it on the rivers. And this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So here, here's my first observation today from this scripture and others we're going to look at. God owns all the land. God owns all the land. Hey, this is a great weekend. I, I'm so proud to be a citizen of the United States of America. I'm so grateful. I love American history. And I would love to talk to you about American history Monday through Saturday. But on Sundays, I talk about the gospel. I'm grateful for our country. And our country, uh, a great motivation for our country's growth was people coming to look for land. Because we, we know this, that 
before the Renaissance, before in, in what we call the Middle Ages, the land barons, they, and, and that included the church at that time, had all the power. And the common man never had access to land, ownership, or property. And very much the American experiment, which has been a great experiment, a, a big part of that has been land ownership. So we're very emotionally attached to our land. And I think God's put that in our hearts in some ways, or in many ways, all the way back to our spiritual ancestors. And we know that Abraham, the father of our faith, was told, leave your family and your country. This was in Genesis 12. And go to the land I will show you. Go to a place that I will show you. And this idea that God had a specific piece of property or, you know, a region in this case in mind for his covenant with Abraham. And then there was something in God's people's heart after 400 years in Egypt that said, we need to be released. And, and we want to go to the land that's flowing with milk and honey. We want to go to a place where we can thrive and grow and build cities and worship the Lord and all of the complications attached to that are still with us today. And so I think God's put it in people's hearts to find land and to find a building. And most churches in America, you know, eventually they'll look for a building. I know a lot of churches start off, we're just going to start off in a home and, and be there. And I thank God for that until childcare issues come up. And then people say, let's lease something. Let's, let's find a building. So that, that's been my experience in watching the American church. And eventually, even though people say they're going to start out in homes, it, I think it's in the hearts of people to say, hey, let's go, let's go find a place of worship. Let's go find property or a building that's set aside for worship to the Lord. So I don't think we should feel bad. You know, I opened up this sermon like, the church is not about buildings. And that's important to remember when we get ticked off at kids for spilling on our carpet or if the building is more important than ministry or more people, then it's important to say, the church is not about the building. But simultaneously, there's something in our hearts that says, like, we want a belonging. We want a place. We want a, a place where we know that is sacred unto the Lord. Like, we can go and we can pray uh, not only on Sundays, but at, at different times of the week. And it's available for prayer opportunities. It's, it, it's, it's ours when there's a national or local tragedy that we need to regather. And, and these things do occur. And so God owns all the land. And so that means, you know, wherever, whatever land you may have access. I know not all of us are homeowners, but we, we, when we sign a lease with someone, we own it for that year, right? We own it for the next 12 months. So whatever you're leasing, whatever you own, I hate to tell you this. Well, no, I'm glad to tell you this. It's really not yours. Okay, it's the bank's. Okay, that's not, what I'm, that's not my point. Even when you pay the bank off, or even when you... You know, you find the, the responsibility to the least is, is um, solved or it's finished. The land is God's. The apartment is God's. The car is God's. The house is God's. We, we think we own stuff, but we really don't. He owns it all. And we're stewards of that. And the Jewish people knew this concept. In fact, the Jewish people didn't own land permanently. 
Look at Leviticus chapter 25, and we'll start with verse 23. Leviticus chapter 25, verse 23. The land is not to be permanently sold. Why? Because it's mine. Now, let me just give some commentary here. We here in America, I mean, we think we've owned land. My daddy owned this land. His daddy owned this land. His papa owned this land. But really, in the scope of the history of humanity, none of us have owned land very, very long. You know, none of us have owned land. And the Native Americans who were here before more had the concept of communal land and, and, and connected with their religions. But our religion, the Jewish people, said the land is not to be permanently sold because why? God said, it is mine. And you are only aliens. And we're going to look at the word alien a lot today. Don't think E.T., okay? I mean, ever since that 1982 movie, E.T., we've thought of aliens as these strange beings from the other worlds. But traditionally, it has meant people without a home. You are only aliens and temporary residents on my land. You are to allow the redemption of any land you occupy. This this idea of of holding the land, holding the land loosely because it belongs to the Lord. As believers, your land, and can we just, can I just devalue the word land here for a second and say your stuff belongs to the Lord. He's the one who owns. He's the one that's in charge. And we have to keep reminding ourselves because if he owns it, then we're stewards of it. If he's the one who has ownership, that means that it's temporarily in our possession for us to improve it and to use it for spiritual reasons. And we are resident aliens here. This is not really our home. It's our temporary home. But we're stewards of the earth. And so we care for the earth. So I reject the the philosophy of, oh, Jesus is coming back, just, you know, trash the earth, right? Jesus is coming back, throw your trash out the window of the car. No way. No way. Christians, we, we should care most for the planet because we know the creator of the planet. And we know that he's redeeming everything, including the earth that we're in. God is pro-earth. He's not anti-earth. He's against the powers and principalities of evil who are trying to rule the earth temporarily. But he is for for the place that we live. And so you'll see all through scripture, and there's different versions that say it different ways. Uh, Some of the more traditional versions use the term resident alien. Some of the newer versions, like the CSB, will, will say strangers and exiles. But it's this idea that even though we're here on earth, and we like it, but we don't just quite fit in. Because we're looking further. We're looking wider and broader to the realm of heaven and how heaven includes earth. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, you'll see this theme. It says, dear friends... I urge you as strangers and exiles 
to abstain from sinful desires that wage war against your soul. This, this idea of sin is not this cute little thing to tolerate and play with. Sin is warring against your soul. Sin is trying to take the life of God out of you and take you away from the community and take you out of fellowship with your God. So we can't be casual about sin. We all drift into that mindset. But may this scripture remind us that, that we're not to become too comfortable here, too at home here. Because our home is with the Lord. And though his presence is with us, we know that there's a realm, a heavenly realm, that's our true life with Christ. It starts here on earth, but it's completed when we breathe our last breath here and, we, and we're in the presence of the Lord. So, guys, you're strangers. You're aliens. You're, you're people who are passing through. I want, I want you to remember this as it comes to stewardship and ownership. The land is the Lord's. Your career is the Lord's. Your talent is the Lord's. Everything you have belongs to the Lord. Even a family heirloom that's been passed down that you would take if, if your house was threatened and you would leave with that, that's the Lord's. It doesn't just belong to your family, it belongs to him. Hebrews chapter 11 talks about all of these amazing people who walked with the Lord. Now, what's great about Hebrews 11, it's been called by, contemporarily, we've called it the Faith Hall of Fame. But that's just, that's just to help us understand it. And, it's, and all these people, and I, and I even said amazing people, but actually, let me rephrase that. It's full of all these normal, sinful people that had faith and that are honored and, and if you ever look at all the different names in Hebrews 11 and go back to the Old Testament and, and dig into their stories, they all sinned, they all made mistakes. But yet, they're honored because of the one they knew, the faith in God that was powerful. So after he listed many of these people, in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, these all died in faith, although they had not received the things that were promised. But they saw them from a distance, greeted them, and confessed that they were foreigners, here's this concept again, and temporary residents on the earth. They were temporary residents. They were foreigners. This is the mindset that we have when it comes to our possessions that we're passing through. That we, we are not those who believe an earthly legacy is our only memory. Because there's a heavenly reality above us. There's a heavenly reality before us that we're entering in. Stephen was one of the first people uh, killed for the name of Jesus. And if you read through Acts chapter 6 and Acts chapter 7, especially in chapter 7, Stephen gives a, an incredible summary of the faith as defined through Jesus Christ. And he keeps mentioning this phrase, either resident aliens or aliens and strangers. Because right as he faced death, he knew, he knew that he was passing through. He knew that things weren't permanent. You know, shifting gears just a little bit, I was thinking about creativity. And I was thinking about my, my childhood and the greatest toy ever 
invented by man were definitely Legos, all right? Yeah, Legos, oh man. Come on, Legos is getting a bigger chair than Jesus today, right? Le Legos. And, and you, you, have this, you have this Lego mat, I don't know what they call it, and all of these little building blocks. And I just remember creating, and, and as the information age was just beginning, you know, we still use physical things to, to play, not just digital, not just things on screens, physical things. And, you know, it's kind of cool that I mean, I've, I've seen that in some therapy uh, for, for people who, who need to improve cognitively. Uh, they're using Legos to, to help them. Why are Legos cool? There's a lot of reasons why, but you're creating. You're creating. You're, you're, you're able to, to do something with your hands. You're, you're seeing something that is not, and you're building and creating. Okay, if Legos is like the greatest toy ever, uh, a very close second was this toy that was invented. Now get this, for those of you under the age of 40, um, you're, you're, you're going to be blown away by this technology. Okay, salt, flour, and water, and color dye. It's called Play-Doh. Play-Doh. Now when I was writing my notes, I, I put Play-Doh, and I'm like, this doesn't seem right. I'm thinking about the red stuff and like, oh, Play-Doh, okay? As a kid, you, you didn't think about that. Uh, and, and what can you do with Play-Doh besides eating it, uh, which is just, just a natural desire of the heart for children just to take a, little, take a little bite of it and then keep playing. I mean, you, you create, you create. There's something in us, that, something physical that we create. Those, those are things that we do, do as kids. Here's my second observation today. Land is a result of God's creativity. Land is the result of God's creativity. So this planet that we live on is an expression of the wisdom of God and the creativity of God. And so as you begin to walk with Jesus, it gives you spiritual eyes to see how great our God is. And you begin to see through the sky itself, through the topography to discovery, uh, you'll never You'll never get tired of the greatness of our God when you see God as the creator. Genesis 1.1 is beautiful. In the beginning, well, the beginning of what? Well, the beginning of time for us. With God, there is no beginning. So this is the invention of time. God has always been, will always be. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Isn't that a beautiful verse? One of my mentors, Jane Alice Blythe, a few of you know who she is. She's passed away a long time ago, uh, growing up in western Colorado, well over 100 years ago now. Didn't know about God. Didn't know how God had been created. And she said when she read Genesis 1-1, faith filled her heart. And she ended up being a, an amazing pastor for decades Going on to verse 9, we see this. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered into one place. Let the dry land appear. And I love this phrase. And it was so. Verse 10. God called the dry land earth. And the gathering of the water he called seas. And God saw that it was good. How many know that? It's a great life perspective to see that the earth is good because the earth is an expression of God's creativity. 
And now he's given us, this is our place to create. God, who is creativity himself, is providing a place for you to create. And guys, as life continues, you're going to keep creating with God and for God's glory. You're going to do great things. And we see all around us that because we're made in the image of God, we have the ability to create. And I'm just blown away by what mankind has done. As some of you know, I was in Israel with a group here just two weeks ago. And I promise you, some of those buildings that were 2,000 years old and older are constructed better than the buildings we have today. It was, it, it just was flabbergasted. I was flabbergasted to see just how well the stones fit and how the engineering of that time was unbelievable. Things were built that last. I mean, that war destroyed good stuff. That's why I said last week that Satan's plan to kill, steal, and destroy. And, and, and war is a major component of how he does that, getting people to hate each other. And we, we know, unfortunately, just last decade, ISIS destroyed so much of the ancient ruins in Iraq. Nineveh was, was destroyed, and so much was destroyed. Uh, war destroys so much, but God's given the ability of man to create, create something to last. Now we are in the age of space tourism. And in the next couple of decades, next three or four decades, uh, for sure, we're going to be amazed at uh, how, how we'll be in space to one degree or the other. And, and this, this is unfolding rapidly before us. The ability to communicate is amazing. Uh, my daughter, my 23-year-old daughter, is in um, Central America right now on vacation. And um, I, just, I just am able to communicate instantly with her. Just boom, just like that, instantly, anytime we want to. She'd sit me in video. She'd sit me a picture. This is part of man's creativity. I mean, we've created this world of instant communication because we're made in the image of God. And, and God, who was the, is the creator, who created us, gave us the ability to continue to create. And so I want you to look at this world. It's so easy to be pessimistic about this world. And, and please, I know, I know that's, I mean, I... It's not hard to be pessimistic. But look at the opportunity you have to create with God, to build great things for God, to take, take that which is not and to the glory of God, make it something. And it doesn't have to be big. Think about where you live today. You can create this afternoon. See, in the next 24 hours, there's a chair in my room and there's a stack of papers there about this high. There's some bills in there. there. There's some, probably a couple of RSVPs I need to give attention to. There's a lot of stuff I need to throw away. There's junk mail. But guys, I'm going to create. I'm going to take disorder in this pile. And there's going to be order. We're going to have piles. We're going to organize files, bills, RSVPs, and then junk. And, and I'm going to be creating order out of chaos. So I'm not saying that you have to send someone into space. To, to, to mimic God's creativity. Dust something that hasn't been dusted to the glory of God. Attack that corner of the room. Right? 
that stuff that might be piling up in your car, clean out the car. You'll, you'll feel so much more godlike with a cleaner car. These things matter. And when it comes to the bigger things in life that, that we think about, your life, this is a gift from God, is a blank canvas before you. You have a realm of influence before you. Don't wait for your break to come. Instead, create your break to the glory of God. Engage. Take on the project. Improve a habit. Find one area of your life and get more disciplined in it. I heard one kind of pastor, motivational speaker, it depends on which message he gives, uh, said one year, he said, I decided just to be more disciplined that I would floss every day just to increase discipline in my life. Raise your hand if you can do that. I'm just joking. Don't do that. <laughs> Whatever influence you already have, deepen that influence. This is part of God's creative work. It's not always wishing for something else, but taking what we have and making it better to the glory of God. And he can help us with that. You know, architects just amaze me. We have someone in this church who is a landscape architect. This person may or may not be sitting in this room right now. I don't know. But what, what an idea of taking a landscape and designing it for aesthetics, designing it for best use, decide, designing it to cooperate with, with communal expectations, designing it to value the earth, designing it to cause humanity to thrive. Architects do great work. So it is when I think about our 17 acres here, and I think about this great building. You know, you may not know this, but we've had architect who has created with, with other constituents back in 2017, have created a, a master plan for this church that's pretty impressive. I'll show it to you sometime. Then about two or 300 more people show up at the church. Then we'll get that thing out. But the point is, we're prepared. Yeah, we built, uh, we added some parking spaces kind of behind me right now a few years ago. And that's what caused us to do it. We didn't want to build a parking lot where someday would be a building. We want to make sure to leverage the land. We want to make sure that we know that there's power line, a power line and a gas line that goes through our land, so we can't put a building underneath there. So we want to leverage it for optimal use. We, we want to create. We want to glorify God. And so this is, this is the land we have, and this is the land where we're at. But I want you to think about this is our land together. So I'm fine. Let's think and dream here. But think about and dream about whatever you have. Whatever you have, make it better with the resources you have. Yeah, I know that sometimes we can get frustrated because, like, I even know in my house, like, there's some stuff I want to repair, but I don't want to spend the money on that yet. And so, uh, you know, it's like deciding what do we start with, what do we not start with. But I know I can start with that pile of mail next to my desk. I know I can do that, right? So you can start somewhere. It's like you can make your environment better to God's glory. And when you do that, 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 is, that now applies to other things than physical things, more important things. Improve your relationships. Be a better son, daughter. Some of you, frankly, need to hear this as a word from the Lord. You need to call your mom 
or dad more often. Or you need to, you need to engage more with a grandkid, a grandchild. I don't have any grandkids yet, but a, a friend of mine has a lot of grandkids. He told me recently, he said, Aaron, he's like, I need to pray for my grandkids more. Isn't that a great way <laughs> to cultivate the land? to pray for your grandkids more. That's a, that was a great thing for him to, a great goal for him to see at. So we can do this. Why? Here's why. Here's my next point. God designed land for productivity. God designed land for productivity. God wants to see his people take land and improve it. And that means, again, a wider definition of this. We're going to look at some specific scriptures on land, but, but he wants to take realms of influence, opportunities, and he wants us to cultivate it for his glory, cultivate it for his purpose, to reflect his greatness. Back to Genesis chapter 1, we see verse 11 and 12. Then God said, let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, not poisonous stuff. Speaking of my daughter, I'll tell you a quick story. This is not in the notes, but this is a fun story to tell. When she was about five, we were at the Lost River Cave in Bowling Green. And we looked, and she was just eating, eating berries, wild berries, right there in the, in the picnic area. And panic ensued. I mean, Beth and her mom thought, is it poisonous? And everyone was going nuts and I was like train, staying calm and i like let me get the number for a poison control and I'm looking through it and, and I'm like make sure this child is okay uh, that panic and then the five-year-old Abby said I'm gonna be fine I saw the cat eating the berries <laughs> oh the wisdom of a child she always was she always is a smart one so back to the word of the Lord let the earth produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants, and fruit trees. God likes fruit trees because they're in the book of Revelation. Fruit trees on the earth bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And it was so. The earth produced vegetation, seed-bearing plants according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. This idea of fruit and then seed-bearing plants that perpetuate a good process. You know, I think about this hundred years vision the Lord uh, has, has put in my heart to tell you. And about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, someone gave me a, a word about olive trees and like, you know, you're building olive trees. Like, what is this? And I heard later that it takes a hundred years to build a grove of olive trees. Something that blesses and benefits generations. Verse 24, again, God said, let the earth produce living creatures according to their kind. Livestock, creatures that crawl, and the wildlife of the earth according to the kind, their kind. And it was so. I think that's one of the reasons why we are naturally sad when we see animals die prematurely or die from unnatural causes because we want to see we want to see the earth prosper hebrews chapter 6 verse 7 and 8 let's go to the new testament for the ground that drinks the rain that often falls on it and produces vegetation useful 
to those for whom it is cultivated receives a blessing from God. But if it produces thorns and thistles, it is worthless and about to be cursed and at the end will be burned. The Lord's called us to be fruitful. That's why I'm so glad Pastor Jacob is, is having this event for men on July 13th. And go ahead and register for it. It's, it's, called, it's called Live on the Green, close to it. Fellowship on the Green. See, Pastor Jacob is so creative. Because I would have said, hey guys, we're having men's night in July. To them, it's not men's night in July. It is fellowship on the green. Creative with your words. Bless God. It's going to be cool. I'd be like, hey guys, we're going to get together and, uh, and, and throw those hacky sacks before I give a devotion. No, we're going to have fellowship on the green. Isn't that cool? But I'm glad we are using our land. And the way we used our land for venture was amazing earlier in the week. Man, thank God for all of you, what you did. So what is your land? That's the last thing I want to say. Land could be property, but it could be your job or your career. Land could be and have a geographical connection. I suppose it all does. But land is your place of establishment. And I just want to speak over you fruitfulness in the Lord. Fruitfulness in the Lord. And we, as we are fruitful as individuals, then together as a community, we're going to be fruitful for the things of God. And we're going to see this church 100 years from now. But we won't see it. We'll see it from heaven. 100 years from now, declaring the gospel of Jesus Christ to this community. Let's pray about that. God, thank you for this call. Thank you, Lord, that land matters to God, matters to you. Thank you for the property you've given us, these 17 acres and this beautiful building. Lord, help us steward it. Help us take care of this place. Thank you for those guys and gals who mow and do that as volunteers. That's amazing, God. Thank you, Lord, for... um, the little things people do to pick up trash to just make this building look nicer. Uh, we praise your name for that. Uh, Lord, let us help us as a community cultivate this place well. And then God, help us to be open to ways you want us to cultivate your gifts within us. It all matters, God. We love you. We thank you. Fruitfulness in the Lord. That's not a suggestion. That's an expectation because we, because we have Holy Spirit with us in this land that we dwell in. Uh, when we talk about God's good creation, it just makes me all excited because it, we're talking about a good creator. And part of a good creator is his redemptive purposes. And that's what this time is about. It's this time to look at how this good creator does have redemptive purposes right now. And that's why we come to the table not only to remember, but to experience the Lord's redemptive purposes. Uh, when I was in high school, uh, I had a lot of friends come over, uh, uh, and we had a, a lot of sleepovers, we had a lot of hangouts, and we had this little round table uh, in our home. And when my friends came over, uh, my mom got out a leaf, uh, put it in the middle of the table, and then when I had some more friends over, we got another leaf to put it in the middle of the table, because all my friends were welcome to our table. Even though it was a small table, anytime there was a new friend or a new stranger, uh, maybe a stranger to my mom or my family, um, we extended it with a leaf. So here there's this uh, word picture. The beautiful part about this table is that it has been extended because of this cross. 
it has been extended because of this cross. And many times when we come up to this table, we just go through it by routine. But when you come to this table, know that because of sin, it was small. But because of our Savior, he extended it for all nations, all tribes, all peoples, that whoever calls in the name of the Lord, this table belongs to you. So as our communion servers uh, come up uh, and get to their places, as our prayer partners uh, come up to their places, I want you to be encouraged by this, that our good creator who has redemptive purposes has extended this table, who has a seat for you at this table. So we come faithfully because we have a faithful Would you stand as we say this communal uh, liturgy together, this prayer uh, that we pray? Would you say this with me? Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, set up your kingdom in our midst. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of the living God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Holy Spirit, breath of the living God, renew me and all of the world. Would you come to this table? It's for you.